Now today, we're going to talk about something that you're not supposed to talk about in church. There are three subjects that they tell us when you get with polite company you're not to talk about. Do you know what those are? Some of you do. I'll remind you. Money, sex, and politics. Okay? However, if any group should be discussing some of those very critical items, perhaps it should be the church. Now, if you've looked at your bulletin, you probably have an idea which one of those we're actually going to talk about today. Correct. Money. But we're going to look at it in a little larger perspective in the area of stewardship and kingdom stewardship. Now, here's the thing. Every single one of you in this room thinks about money. Okay? Most of you spend a considerable portion of your week investing, trying to make sure that your account is of sufficient size so that you can pay the bills, you can have fun on the weekend, you can buy a third automobile or a vacation or whatever it is. But everybody in this room thinks about money. Now, the question is, are you thinking about it appropriately or are you thinking about it inappropriately? Now, you're in church, so what we're going to talk about is God's perspective on money and possessions. Now, I've heard this criticism, and you've probably heard it too. Well, I'm not going to church. That's full of hypocrites, and all they ever do is talk about money down there. Well... Just for reference and comparison, the last time I actually timed it, in a 30-minute local newscast, about 11 or 12 or even more minutes of that was consumed by commercials. And what they're talking about is money. Namely, they want your money to go from your pocket into the pocket of the merchant who's making that ad. So if my math is correct, that's about one-third of the time, we'll, we'll, we'll just say a, maybe a quarter of the time, that is actually spent talking about money. Now, you don't necessarily see it that way, but think about it. That's what they're doing. I know these stations have to pay their bills too, and that's how they do it. Now, here's the comparison. Let's suppose that in church we spent <clears throat> 25% of our time talking about money. Because you see, well, you know, as it goes out there, we are really, really behind. Because we don't talk about money all that much. But you might be surprised at how much the Bible actually talks about money. Let me just give you a few statistics here and you might be surprised. Jesus speaks more often about money and possessions and material things than any other single subject. At last count, 17 of the 38 parables were directly related to possessions and money. And it's mentioned 2,172 times over the course of Holy Scripture. That's three times more than love, seven times more than prayer, and eight times more than belief. You say, wait a minute, who did this counting? Well, I confess I didn't do it, but I trust whoever did. The point is, we probably don't discuss this often enough so that our principles, our life priorities are in alignment with what God has said about this important area of life. If you're still in the workforce, you probably spend 
40 hours or more investing your energy, your, your talent, your gift in the production of money. Most of you don't go to work if they're not going to give you a paycheck. Um, at least I decided that wasn't a very good arrangement. Uh, you can volunteer, of course, and that's that's important. So I want us to talk about it because this is this is number eight in our series of what it means to be a healthy church, and a healthy church is one that has a healthy posture about this whole business of money. And I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter twelve, where Jesus gives some very very specific instruction. In fact, it's repeated uh, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, not quite verbatim, but very, very close. And I want us to look at this text. There are some principles here that will help us as we grow our capacity and perhaps even need to recalibrate our own personal understanding perspective about money. Perhaps that will even apply to how Trinity Church might do some of that as well. I have a a larger text that's printed here, but I want to read a portion of this text. Uh, And I'd like to just invite you, if you're able to stand with me, while we read from Luke chapter 12. And I'm going to start at verse 13 and read to the end of this paragraph. Please follow as I read either in your paper or your electronic version. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Now, let me just give you the background. Jesus asked a question about this, about uh, all of these kinds of things. And uh, he makes an address to the crowd of people. And then in verse 22, which is actually where I want to start, he actually pulls the disciples aside and gives them some special instruction. And this is part of the rationale for the big group here and the small group, discipleship. Okay? We're in Luke chapter 12. I want to start at verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For the life is more important than food and the body than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, and they don't have storehouses or barns, yet God feeds them. Or how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If you're not able to do something as small as that, why are you anxious about all of the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They don't toil or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive today uh, in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Now, here's, the, here's a critical piece right here. O you of little faith. O you of little faith. And do not seek what you may eat or what you are to drink or to be worried. For all the nations seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Here's another critical piece. Therefore, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it, it, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heaven that does not fail, where neither thief approaches and moth destroys. Here's his conclusion. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, this is a a passage that we've heard perhaps before. 
And yet we need some consistent review so that truly we will be able to be about the business of kingdom stewardship. Father, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning. That this particular and very critical area of our life, corporately, individually, would continually be under your guidance and that your principles would be the markers along our trail. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for being our teacher. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. A healthy church is one that consistently teaches and practices these kingdom principles of stewardship. Now you say, wow, that that seems like a big subject. It is a big subject. So we're going to pick a few highlights as we go along here and hopefully... Hopefully, it'll help orient us individually and corporately. Now, there's a key verse here that we didn't actually focus on quite so much, but I want you to go back in this text, in this paragraph, and look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15. This is where he's talking to the crowd before he has the explanation and the discussion with the disciples. And he said to them, Take care... Be on your guard against covetousness. Some of the translations translate that greed. Folks, this is really a number one issue across our society is greed. And I want you to know that I also am a greedy person. I just want you to know that. But let me tell you how, how, how it works. I, I, um, I, I get these emails, and I've been a part of this, uh, this company that is actually going out of business, and they are selling some of their outdoor gear, what, literally for pennies on the dollar. And Lois and I looked and said, wow, how can they do that? You know, here's a $250 jacket, and they're going to sell it for $70. And I said, I need one of those. You know what? I really don't. And I, I, I refuse to order it. They were even given free shipping. <laughs> I look at my closet and I go, David, you do not need one more thread in there. Say, yeah, but this is really good. This is a good deal. I can't pass this up. And the greed just came up in my heart. And I had to confess that. So as one greedy person to a group of greedy people, let's talk about this, okay? You see, we're we're all there. We're all there. And by the way, brothers and sisters, we, we really do live in one of the richest societies on the planet. It might surprise some of you, but there are about 2 billion people who live on less than $3 a day. None of you here live on $3 a day. I know that. It won't work in this in this society. So how, how does the church and how do we consistently uh, implement some of these kingdom stewardship principles? Just a few things I, I want us to, to, to work through here. The first thing is that they embrace the, the foundational principle. The foundational principle is this. God owns everything. You say, well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I got this title on my vehicle. I have this document that says I own the house, or at least I have a copy that the bank owns the house, and I'm taking it away from them piece by piece, month by month. But stop and think about this. 
by virtue of the fact that he made everything, he also owns everything. Ultimately, he owns everything. Now, I've given you a couple of texts there. One is Psalm 24, 1. The other is Isaiah 42, 5. Basically, what Isaiah 42 says, he created the earth and everything in it, including humankind. And that includes you and me. By rights of his creatorship, he also has the right of ownership. I, I know deep down that, that, that we have some understanding of that. But as we rush along through life, it's easy to say, you know, that's mine. Don't mess with my stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, but there is a bigger picture to that. And part of the principle that we need to have instilled in our life, in our heart, in our guidance system is that God owns this. Therefore, because he is the owner, my role is that of a steward. A steward is one who cares for that which belongs to another. And if you look through scripture, from the very beginning, as God began to work with his people, he continually pointed out to them that they were stewards and not owners. And we need that reminder as we gather together like this, because sometimes we forget. Sometimes I forget that it's about stewardship. Because that foundational principle, God owns everything. In fact, if, if you look at, uh, uh, we're not going to take time for this, but in Genesis 1, 22 through 31, I just thought that you can jot that there and look at that. It says, where, where God put them in the garden, he says, and I'm going to give to you the increase and the fruits of the land for your provision. The operative word there is, I give to you. Now, This doesn't take us off the hook in terms of work because there are many places that he says we need to be diligent and he compares it here to to birds. Uh, He he says here, ravens, you know. Uh, Other places he talks about sparrows. As I was working on some of this, I was looking out a little window there and I saw a cardinal. You know, we don't have cardinals in California. Can I I take some home with me? Uh, (laughs) They might not survive the trip. Um, But this bird was really busy, just moving, 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 looking, pecking. I've never seen a bird really out like that, just kind of sitting there going, I hope the bugs crawl my way so I can get those things. No, they're, they're diligent. But I've never seen a bird carrying a suitcase. Have you? You know, they they don't store things. They just go out and, and gather. God provides, but they also are engaged with that. So, as Paul tells the Thessalonians, look, you need to keep busy, but remember that you are a steward. And these things are actually gifts from God. Just like the man in the wilderness, God gave it, but they had to go gather it. So there was a part that they played. Uh, there's so much that we could say about this. That, you know, I, 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 I want us just to recapture this, this thought. If you're, if you're still missing some of this, Psalm 139 talks about all of this kinds of stuff that, uh, you know, God made us, God put us together and so on. And so we don't ultimately have any real input in the fact that you are here. That's a gift from God. And so we function in this dependent way as kingdom steward. Now here's another principle. Therefore, they, we, us, dedicate and rededicate 
everything that we have to God. And I have four little T's there for you. Time, talent, treasure, and temple. I thought that was cute, but let's, uh, let's look at it. First of all, time. Again, Psalm 139. He says, all the days that have been given to me and to you come from God. Now, that doesn't excuse you from taking your vitamins or those kinds of things. But at the same time, life is a gift. So I I dedicate that time. In fact, I I say often, God, this this is... Often when I get up in the morning, I say, God, this is your day. Help me to invest it as you would want me to invest it. James even says it's stronger than that. He says, your life is a vapor. It's a mist like the fog you see over the river and the sun comes up and poof. It just disappears. I say, well, that doesn't seem very complimentary because I hope I'm going to last longer than 10 minutes when the sun burns the fog off the river. And yet, when you look at eternity, if you're here for 70 years or 80 years or whatever, what is that in terms of a percentage of the time across the vastness of eternity? It's not very big. And that's part of remembering as we dedicate time. Here's how Jonathan Edwards put it. He was that great... uh, uh, theologian there in the 1740s he said this and he had a whole bunch of these he he called them the resolve resolve that i will live so that i wish i had done when i come to die that's how he said i don't want to live with any regrets so he says when i get to the end i don't want to look back and go oh you know if only i had now i've heard people say that You probably have too. If only I had invested my time on stuff that was truly important and truly significant. Friends, the time to start that, if you haven't already done so, is today. Every day that you have is a gift from God. Every minute that you have. The next breath you pull is a gift from God. Did you realize that? You haven't balanced the atmosphere so that the nitrogen and the carbon and the oxygen all are just right to sustain your life. You don't have anything to do with that. But God does. God does. And part of what we need to remember as we go through time that. Well, the second part here is what I've called our talents, our abilities, our gifts, our skills. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Ephesians chapter 2, he says he's created you to do good works. Ephesians 4, 7. And God gave you a certain capacity, certain gifts, certain grace gifts. First uh, Corinthians 12, 7. To each of you, a gift of grace has been given in order to invest that, not only just for the body, but beyond. Every one of you are, are really good at something. And, and that is a gift from God. And he says, you know, I want you to invest that as a steward to develop not only yourself, but others around you, and thus the kingdom of God, the talents. And then the treasure, you know, the, the money, the possessions, the things that we have. Um, most of us as Americans have more than we really need. I drive up and down out here and I see all these storage units. Have you noticed those? I mean, what, what are those for? Well, it's, and, and, and the square footage of houses over the last half century in America have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So where does all this stuff come from? So we have to build separate buildings to store all this stuff. In, in fact, part of Jesus' story here that we didn't actually look at, but just before the paragraph we look at, is about a guy who had that problem. He had so many crops. He said, what am I going to do? I know, I'll build a new storage unit. <laughs> In his day, it was called a barn. But he says, you know, I got all this stuff. You know, it's like, 
Hey, yeah, just take it easy, man. You got it made. Well, he forgot another piece of this. All the possessions, all the money that you have is a gift from God. You say, wait a minute, guy. You know, I went down there to the company. I punched in. I put in my eight or ten or whatever hours, and I earned that. As the Bible says, who gave you the health, the stamina, the wisdom, the mind, whatever, to be able to engage in that? As a gift from God. So the treasure, the treasure is a gift from God. There are so many scripture texts that we could look at. Um, the, the, the fourth T, I just call that the temple, and that's your body. The, this, this gift. You say, I, I don't think I would consider this a temple, but Paul refers to it as a temple, temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6. He says, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with this temple that you've given. It's a, a temple of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I look around our society today and say, you know, some, sometimes we uh, aren't taking real good care of God's temple. So uh, there it is. That's part of, part of kingdom stewardship. I know people who take better care of their pets than they take care of their own body. Or maybe their car. I have a, I have a neighbor who has a Corvette. And man, even in the garage, he has it covered. I think he waxes that thing once a week. And he probably drives it only 20 miles a week, you know, but he does it slow and boom, boom, boom. I thought, you know what? I think that that automobile is his God. I could be wrong. I'm just guessing, but I think I'm right. Um, there's so much that we could say here. The, the temple is part of that. Now, here's the last point. And this is, this is where we're, this is where we're really headed. Therefore, further, Healthy churches actually teach members to arrange and rearrange all of their life around these core principles of kingdom stewardship. All of these things. The temple, the time, the talent, the treasure, all of that. So that as I move through life, I see all of those pieces in light of what God has told us and what God has instructed for us here. And, and here, I was thinking about this this morning. We sometimes say, and he talks about here, well, you, you just don't have enough faith. Sometimes we say, I don't think I can do it like that. Particularly say, well, something like the tithe or giving to the God's work. He says, well, I, I just can't do that because I don't have enough money to do that. I can't do that. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to do this. I've got to do whatever. Well, the Bible over and over talks about the fact that Faith in God is a really, really important piece. And see, in a sense, when we do things like offering or so on, it's not that God wants your money or needs your money. What he wants is you. What he wants is me. And this makes a gigantic difference. Now you say, I know, I know what this guy's doing. They're getting ready to do the budget for next year and they want more of my money. No. God wants more of you. And when he has you, the rest will be there as well. Now, you know, the the research says that the average Christian these days in terms of their stewardship with their finances in relationship to kingdom work runs around 2%. 
Well, the Bible talks about a tithe, and some who have studied that say, well, that was the Old Testament, that's law. And one, I think it was Larry Burkett, used to say, well, great, you're about grace, so start at 11%. And people say, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that. Um, again, I have lots of stories. I want to just share one story about that, of how operation in terms of working with kingdom principles actually actually brings down the blessing of God. I've seen that in my own situation. Many of you have seen that in your situation. But I just want to share one, one story here. This is by a lady named Judy. She's given me pers- uh, permission to share this. She worked in finances at one of the churches. That I'm not, and I'm going to read it so I don't miss anything. As most of you know, I'm the financial secretary of the church. My job is to record all the contributions during the year. In fact, I'm the only person who knows just what you give. And even though I've been trusted with the responsibility, I take it very seriously. But I can be tempted not always to honor my own personal financial commitments. We've been doing some remodeling in our house, and the money's been stretched to the limit. So after soul-searching and self-justification, I decide that God would understand if I just skip my ties for one month. He wouldn't, you know, nobody else in the church would know, only me. That very same day, I was in the office working on some uh, recording and um, on contributions and who should come into the office but Pastor Dave. We began to talk about the importance of tithing, and I once again realized that his boss had sent him for a message for that day. When I got home, I wrote out the checks for you know my commitment to the Lord and to the kingdom and said, Okay, God, I'm going to trust you to provide. Three days later... Al brought in the mail, Al was her husband, brought in the mail and said to me, guess what? We have a letter from AmeriQuest. I don't think about AmeriQuest. It must be a insurance or something. And they just found out that after two years, they've overcharged us and they have sent us a refund check. He showed me the check and it was for more than three times the amount of the check that I had written to Kingdom Work. God surely does honor our trust to him. And she shared this with the entire church. I would just like you to know, no, I'm here to tell you that God can bless your socks off if you will just let him. That's just one story. I have some personal stories about stewarding the, the resources, the time, and the money that God has given to us. And they're not quite as dramatic as this, and it doesn't always happen like this. But one of the great texts that that relates to this and should help us in this is in Malachi 3. In fact, I want you just to turn to that. Malachi chapter 3. um, It's the very, very, very last book. So if you get to Matthew, just go back toward the Old Testament just a little bit. Uh, This is one of the classic um, texts on God encouraging his people in this business of stewardship of, of money and resources. They're having some struggles. This is the, in the post-exilic part of the, the history of Israel. And some of these people are struggling. And so they have, they have been holding for themselves some of the things that they should have been sharing in terms of the kingdom. Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a person rob God? Yeah, you're robbing me. You say, well, how have we done that? Well, in your tithes and your contributions. Now look at verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. Now, here's the thing. I don't know of any other subject 
where God invites us to test him. Usually he says, don't test the Lord. But here he invites us to do that because this is so central and so critical. And see if I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour down on you blessing so that you'll have no more need. And he, he terms this in agricultural kinds of things. He says the destroyer won't destroy your fruit. The vines will be healthy. Uh, the crops will not fail. Then all the nations will rise up and call you blessed because of what God has done for you. You say, well, that's just a gimmick so the church can get my money. Folks, this is not a gimmick. God does not do gimmicks. And I, I was rebuked in my own heart this sometimes for the greed that I have to say, God, if you are as powerful as we believe you are, and we believe you are because we read the text, and if you are as smart as you are, and he says, I will provide for you, wouldn't it be reasonable to say, yes, he can make that provision? And somebody has to go, David, focus, remember. And I, I just want to share that with you folks. As kingdom stewards, in fact, in, in, the, in the passage that we, that we read earlier, he says, because it, it, is, it is the father's delight to provide for his children. I do not know of any earthly human father who does not delight in providing the things needed in the family situation. How much more the Father who is the King of the universe provide for those who are His children. Say, well, I'm all out of money. How does this work? Let me just tell you another quick story. This this is in my notes, but I'll I'll give you this for free. Um, In the first church I served, I had a young man that started attending the church. And he came to Christ through tithing. Let me tell you how this works. His name is Mitch. He, he loves to share this story, but he's not here, so I'll share it. Uh, and the, the, one of the churches in the area, his wife had kind of gone to the church, and they were going to do a workshop on, on money. And he, he said, man, I need that. Man, I'm out of money. I'm just miserable. You know, the collectors are banging down the door. What am I going to do? So he, he went to this. And one of the principles they talked about was tithing. You give 10% of what God blesses with you to, uh, to, to ministry, to, to God's work. And he just laughed. I think he laughed right out loud in the session. He goes, what? you got to be kidding me. i got nothing, man. I'm not giving 10% to religious stuff. And the, the facilitator goes, says, well, I'll tell you what. Based on Malachi 3, test it and see what happens. So he says, okay. 10% of nothing is nothing. <laughs> so he just kind of took it as a joke. And so he, he did that. God blessed him so incredibly. He says, man... This stuff works. And he became a Christian. Now, I don't know of many churches who use that as an evangelism tool. <laughs> but see how creative God is? You see, this, this works. This isn't just something that, you know, comes from an ancient document that's gathering dust in some historic library. It worked then, and it works today. Folks, here, here's, here, here's my heart to your heart. To Trinity Church, and to those of you who are a part of Trinity Church, God is not the kind of a God who will lay out something this important and not follow through on it. He always does, he always has, and he always will. 
And I always hear people going, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> but again, it's the only thing I'm aware of where God says, test me. See what I will do as a gracious, loving father who delights, he says here, to give you the kingdom. What is the value of the kingdom? I don't have enough space in my records to put that kind of a figure. And I expect that you don't either. But God wants to bless His people. And healthy churches and healthy Christians are consistent about working through and following these kingdom principles of stewardship. So my question to you today personally, and even corporately, is, where, where are you in this? In your own personal um, uh, work with your finances, how does this line up for you? You say, well, that's, that's a little convicting, isn't it? Well, you know, that, that's kind of how the Bible works, folks. But, you know, again, God is big enough and smart enough, and I want you to know He has a very, very, very impeccable and long resume. There are no records there of his failure. No records of his failure. Here's another thing that just, that just struck me not too long ago. One of the things I've noticed is that I've never met yet somebody who's truly following these principles as a, as, a, as a kingdom steward person and even a biblical tither who complains about the lack of money. I haven't met one yet. There might be out there. But let me tell you, let me tell you the other side of that. I've met many, many people who are not following these principles who do complain about money. I think, I think there must be a lesson in that. I know that there is a lesson in that. I, I can't, I, you know, I can't do this for you, but my challenge to you today and I and Judy and many of you are living witnesses that when God gives us this kind of a principle to seek his kingdom, to come under that, to follow what he has said, he will bless. He always has and he always will. Do you believe that? Some of you do. Some of you are still processing that. That's okay. That's okay. Continue to process. In fact, I would just challenge you to, to, to look again at, at Luke chapter 12. Maybe just read this text over several times this, this week. Some of those key things where he says, Be on your guard against greed. Make sure that you attend to your faith. Seek, verse 31, that's, a, that's the one I underlined. Verse 31. Seek his kingdom and, and all these things I'll add to you. It's parallel in Matthew 6.33. It says, seek his kingdom above all other things that you seek. You say, well, I've got time for that. Well, what it means is you put that at the top of the priority list. And all these other things will become aligned in ways that you will not even have imagined. You will not even have imagined. Because God is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and he delights as he says here, to give you the kingdom. And all these things will be at. Now, here's the thing. He says, I will give you what you need. He does not say, I will give you your greeds. 
Okay? <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference. But he will supply your needs. Folks, I, I just want to challenge us as a body and as individuals. This may be one of the most challenging principles that we as Americans faith, face in, in a society that's just, that, that is just is, is so wealthy, we can, hardly, we can hardly stand it. Some of you have traveled in developing countries and you, you have seen some of the, the contrast. Yet some of those people are more filled with joy than people who have ten times the money. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? It's true. Many of you could stand here and give testimonies that are very similar to that. Of God's provision because you've implemented these kingdom principles of stewardship. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for this reminder that you are the provider. Remind us, remind us, remind us to consistently and continually implement kingdom stewardship in all areas of our life. You may need to take just a moment right now and just um, reflect on this and have a short conversation with God. Maybe there's, maybe there's a piece here that's, um, that's, um, that you're wrestling with. May I just encourage you, you and the Lord, just to, to, to work on it for just a bit, whatever that might look like for you. Maybe somewhat should have been his tithe wet in your pocket or for something else, and you need to work on that. Maybe there's something in your life in terms of possessions or talent or time that's being spent outside these principles of kingdom stewardship. God will meet you right where you are today. He wants to reforge your heart to follow these principles, to seek his kingdom first. Father, again, I, I thank you for this text. Thank you that your principles have stood the test of time. The way you have said in this important department of life is true. And we thank you for that. Give us the growing faith to continue to implement and follow these important principles. Thank you for this reminder today. Thank you because of Jesus and all that he has given to us. We do not deserve any of these gifts as the gracious, loving Father. You lavish these things on us. Help us to exit from this campus grateful, praising you, thanking you for your gifts. Because we've prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand with me as we depart. I'd just like to share a text that has, that has helped me, and maybe this could be part of your 
signature as you as you go out today. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Since you've been raised up with Christ, and you have as his follower, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things here on this earth, because you have died with Christ, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Brothers and sisters, that that's a channel marker that you can follow. As I look through Scripture, even like this rich man here in our text, you know, soon all of the things that we work so hard for will be gone. Therefore, we store up treasure in heaven. And God will bless you. He has blessed you. He will bless you. And we are grateful for that. Amen and amen. Depart in the joy of the Lord and be blessed. You are dismissed.